Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Sometimes forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Especially when the one we're forgiving, we're questioning whether they're worthy of forgiveness in the first place. Sometimes receiving forgiveness is hard when we consider ourselves unworthy of forgiveness as well. Uh, we're going to spend some time in the 103rd Psalm, if you want to turn there, over these next few weeks in November here, looking at the nature of who, who the Lord really is, what his characteristics are. And we start today with his characteristics of forgiveness. I want to read if we can verses 1 through 5 together and come back and see what we can glean from this text today. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Uh, four things today I want us to, to glean from this text. The first is this, as it pertains to the Lord's forgiveness. It is, first of all, a tremendous benefit. The Lord's forgiveness is a tremendous benefit. He, he mentions that in verse 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not, of course, is to continually rem to remember. And that we should remember daily and be grateful and that we should remember situationally and capitalize on the benefit. That's, that's kind of what he's talking about in, in, the, in the word remember here. It, it, it is a continual reference. In other words, keep on remembering is what, the, what this word actually says. Uh, such that, as, as I said, we, we, we remember daily because we want to be grateful and express gratitude for his forgiveness. And we remember situationally in order to receive it and capitalize on that benefit. Uh, his, his benefits beyond forgiveness are uh, too, too, really too numerous to mention, but here's a few. Genesis 22, verse 8, talks about God being provider. Psalm 32, 7 talks about his being our protector. Isaiah 43, 11 speaks to his being our savior. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23 speaks to his being our teacher. Psalm chapter 40, verse 17, he is our deliverer. Isaiah 53, verse 5, he is our healer. And on and on and on and on this goes about his benefits, who, who he is, the nature of who he is, and who we can tap into. The point is this. He is all we need for every situation in life. In fact, he is all we need and more for every situation in life, every situation that life brings us. If the benefit of heaven was, was all there is, that's certainly praiseworthy. And David would praise him uh, in, uh, in abundance for the gift of heaven. But when we start to unpack all that God is and all the benefits that he, he gives us because of his nature, because of who he is, it's, it, in fact, it compels us and, and almost forces us to this position of praise. And that's how David starts his chapter. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my, o my soul, verse 2, verse 1. He's, he's declaring that God is praiseworthy because of his, his many benefits. Uh, we're going to look at forgiveness, a little more forgiveness in just a second. But David declares here that that kind of praise should, should be rolling off of our lips day after day after day. So when we feel isolated oftentimes from the presence of God and feel disconnected from the power of God, 
The vehicle de- getting back to that place is remembering his benefits and praising him for them. When we feel isolated and disconnected from his presence and from his power, that reconnection is to remember his benefits and reconnect and praise him for them. And for that matter, remember his promises, the promises of his, of his benefits, which are uh, too numerous to mention as well. But the Lord's forgiveness is a tremendous benefit. Secondly, it is continual and complete. The Lord's forgiveness is continual and, and complete. Look at verse 3. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who forgives all your sins. Key word is all. And heals all your diseases. Key word is all. And in, in essence, he's saying that supply is never exhausted. It is a never-ending supply of forgiveness. David understood that. You know the story of David's uh, stepping into adultery with Bathsheba. He, he, after that situation, after that encounter, is held accountable for that to the Lord and ex- experience, repents and experiences the Lord's forgiveness. So he knows what he's talking about, and he wants us to get that story here as well. But understanding the totality of his forgiveness is really about two things. Look, at, look here with me. First is this, is that his forgiveness covers every sin. The, the big ones, the ones that are obvious, the ones that everybody else knows about, and the small ones, the ones that are not seen, that we think we're, we're the only one that knows about. And all the ones in between the big ones and the small ones. He forgives all our sins, this verse says. Heals all of our diseases. Second thing is this, and this is pivotal. God doesn't do guilt. You've heard me show that with you before. He does not do guilt. If you're experiencing guilt, you're experiencing that prod from the enemy. He doesn't do guilt. Now, does he do conviction from the Holy Spirit to draw us back to himself? Absolutely. But don't confuse conviction with guilt. Uh, verse 12 tells us that, also, we'll spend more time about this in, on verse 12 in a couple of weeks, but he tells us as well in verse 12 that he forgets our sins, forgets our, our accountability to those sins and the guilt that comes from them as far as the east is from the west. Now, in biblical times, most theologians, in fact, the wise men, it, it's, it's largely held, this is a largely held belief that the wise men thought the earth was flat in how they viewed the stars and the heavens. And as we began to understand more about the earth and, and more, more about the cosmos and we figure out the earth is round, the bigger this promise becomes. Because when the earth was flat, there was a definite east and west, if, if that's your concept of the earth. When the earth becomes round, where does the east begin and the west stop? Where does the west stop and the east begin? It, it, it is it's never ending, is the point is what he's saying. It's, that's how far I forget the accountability and, and the guilt for your sins and disconnect you from that accountability. He separates that from us. Notice also here he says that he heals all your diseases. The one that he's talking there about the ones that attack us from the outside and the ones that are self-induced, the ones that attack us on the inside. What, what I think is pivotal to see here, though, is that this, the, the diseases of guilt or unworthiness can do us far more harm than can cancer, diabetes, heart disease, any, any of those external, Parkinson's, any of those external diseases. Those internal diseases of guilt and unworthiness, that's, that's why I started the message with saying, forgiveness can, can be hard if we feel unworthy of forgiveness. It can also be hard to give if we feel like that person is unworthy of receiving it. And so, but that, that sense of unworthiness, that sense of guilt uh, can, can do us far more harm as, as a cancer than, than can cancer itself physically. But what I want you to hear is the enemy will use those time and time again if we, if we let him, <clears throat> if we allow him to, if we give him open space and an open window, he'll drive right through it every time with guilt, drive right through it every time with, with unworthiness. He does that to cripple us. He does that to paralyze us. Does that for us to consider ourselves, well, 
I'll take this benefit of heaven, but experiencing God in a deeper way, other than that, I'm unworthy of. And, and I, I, can't, I can't number the conversations I've had with people over the years that <clears throat> at the bulk of their separation from God and their, their, their desire to reconnect with him is this idea of, that I'm unworthy. And we'll tell you that's straight from hell. It should smell like smoke to you. That's, that's directly from the enemy because God doesn't do guilt. He, he separates that, as verse 12 says, from the east from the west. As far as the east is from the west, that forgiveness is continual and that forgiveness is complete. Thirdly, the Lord's forgiveness is always redemptive. It's always redemptive. Look at verse 4. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who redeems your life from the pit. When you look at the stories of the Bible, in the, in the Bible about forgiveness, David's own here with, with Bathsheba, as I've shared, the story of Magdalene, the hooker brought to him in public disgrace, the story of Peter after his denial, <clears throat> Jesus encountered with him by the seashore and restoring Peter back to fellowship. Uh, we see in th that those stories never stop with the act of forgiveness. It's just, it, he just doesn't forgive us and consider us forgiven, so, 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 so move on. He forgives us to a point of redemption. He forgives us to a point of reconciliation. Forgives us for, for the purpose of moving on beyond that, whatever it was that, that caused that separation, that sin in the first place, and, and doing something redemptive and praiseworthy to follow it up. He doesn't just stop with saying, you're forgiven, now be blessed. He says, you're forgiven to do this. And you've been forgiven to accomplish that. And you've been forgiven to have this conversation and been forgiven to connect with him and with her. There's always a deeper motive to God's forgiveness than, than just the idea and the act of forgiveness itself. It always leads to something more, always leads to something redemptive. It always involves change, and it usually involves something eternal as well, most of the time. That's, that's how these crowns of love and compassion that he talks about here in verse 4 can, can be received by us. Uh, it's how they can be the end result of our sin. It's through God's ability to do something redemptive with something otherwise unusable. And only God can do those kinds of things. Can take our sins, our mistakes, our failures, turn them into something praiseworthy. Now, why does he do that? Because he wants us to see that, that what follows our sin is not judgment, is not condemnation. But what follows our sin is forgiveness. Forgiveness that looks like, as he said here in verse 4, looks like love and compassion. That, it, that that's how it's played out in our lives. It, it, that's, that's his plan for what forgiveness should look like. And only God can do something like that. Once we can grasp that on an earthly and an internal uh, realm, our lives can't help but give him praise that David was trying to. Go back and look at verse 1 where David says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, in essence. All my inmost being, everything I am, every breath I have, every, every desire and purpose and plan I have, all that I am, all that I possess, all, all, all that is me gives him praise, gives him honor and glory because he understands God's forgiveness. Uh, and, and he gets it. He, he gets the concept that God, God didn't just forgive to, to, to forget. He forgives to move us into a deeper place with him. He forgives to renew the relationship. He, he forgives to grow our faith. He forget, forgives to, for us to accomplish something with that forgiveness. It is always redemptive. He has a redemptive plan. Well, not only is it a benefit, not only is it continual and complete and redemptive, but fourthly, the Lord's forgiveness is the only one that satisfies. His forgiveness is the only one that satisfies. Look at verse 5. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Who satisfies your desires 
with good things. Any sin against someone else is also a sin against God. Consider that first of all. That if we sin against someone else, we're also sinning against him. And though the other person may forgive us of that sin, it is God's forgiveness that is more significant than, that, than, that, that, than the forgiveness of that, that other person. It is God's forgiveness that ultimately satisfies us, makes us sense and know that we've been forgiven and that we've been washed clean from whatever sin that is. How does he do that? By this reminder that his forgiveness is complete, by this reminder that it's redemptive, by this reminder that it can heal the scars and the wounds that sins always leaves behind. The fact that most of our desires aren't usually very good for us is what leads us into sin in the first place. And he says here, my forgiveness will replace those desires with mine for you. They'll replace those evil desires with desires that are good and godly for you. Re replace those fleshly, selfish desires with good things, he says. That's how we know that his forgiveness has truly satisfied us because we start to want what he wants. We start to see through, through his lens. We start to pursue the things that he wants pursued for us according to his plan and his design for us. Then we, when we can learn to live and walk in that place as opposed to just visit it seasonally from time to time, when we can live in that place and walk in this place of pursuing his desires for us, his plans for us, his purposes for us, we can experience what he talks about here in this fountain of youth. Now, fountain of youth is my term. He says your, that your youth is renewed like the eagles, meaning your energy returns, your passion returns, your desire returns. And if you're sitting here this morning <clears throat> and you're like most folks, if you've been a believer for a season or a, a dozen seasons, it's hard to stay on the edge. <clears throat> it's hard to live with that sense of fervor that you were saved by. It's hard to reclaim that every day. It's hard to, <clears throat> as it were, for your faith to stay on the mountaintop. It's hard for you to feel heavenly all the time. What he says here, though, is the key to, to experiencing that, that, that youthful uh, exuberance, that youth, youthful enthusiasm, energy, passion, desire, is revisiting this idea of how deeply you've been forgiven. He said, if you can see that and understand that, your energy is going to return. When you can see and understand how deeply, you, how completely you've, you've been forgiven, how, how redemptively you, you have been forgiven, that desire and that passion that you once had are going to return. How do we get there? We've got to understand his forgiveness and have to praise him for it. We've got to understand how deeply we've been forgiven, how completely we've been forgiven, and praise him for it. That's the key to it. Close your eyes with me, if you will. I want to wrap up this message this way. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And what I want you to think through with your, with your head bowed and your eyes closed is to consider all the things that God has forgiven you of. Now, regardless of your age, that list may be a long list. It may be a short list. But I want you to think through all the things God has forgiven you of, whether it's things you've done or things you failed to do. That can be sometimes a bleak picture. Now what I want you to do is to, with, with, with your continued head bowed and eyes closed, is to take a figurative Sharpie marker, the biggest, boldest, reddest one you can find, and write the word forgiven across all of those sins. Write the word forgiven across all of those things that the Holy Spirit and the Lord has brought back through your mind that you've been forgiven of. Uh, each, each one of those have been deeply, completely and totally forgiven. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, as you feel 
ready to do so, what I want you to do is do as David did and just raise an arm or hand in praise, saying, God, I thank you that all those things have been forgiven. I thank you that all those things have been redeemed. I thank you that all those things have been cast as far as the east is from the west. And Father, we stand here this morning unworthy of your forgiveness. None of us are worthy, but you declare us worthy. None of us offer anything redemptive at all, but you can see redemption in us and use it to your glory. None of us are, are sinless because we, we were born in flesh. We were born with a sin nature. But as you enter our hearts and forgive us of sin, you redeem that sin back to our good, your, your glory, and, and our depth and our growth. Would you help us see those things this morning? Would you help us to see and revisit part of your lordship, part of your bigness, part of your godliness, a huge part of it, is this idea and this act of continual and complete and a never-ending supply of forgiveness again and again and again. And none of us stand here worthy this morning, but none of us stand here guilty as well because you've, al you've already redeemed all that at the cross. You look at us through redeemed eyes and through a redeemed lens that sees not our sin, but the potential beyond our sin, not our disobedience, but the glory to you that, our, that learning from our disobedience and growing from can bring. Help us today to, re to revisit that often, to, to re revisit that daily, and to revisit it situationally as we need to be reminded of what a great and deep and profound benefit this benefit of forgiveness is that all of us experience. And learn to live that and share that. Because we've been forgiven, we should forgive others more easily, more readily, more deeply. Regardless of whether we feel they're unworthy or not, or worthy, because we're unworthy as well. Regardless of whether we feel like it or not, because sometimes we, you probably don't feel like forgiving us as you look at our sin, our disobedience, think, good grief, is this kid ever going to get it? Are they ever going to get it? Father, we're grateful for your forgiveness this morning. We stand in awe of it. We stand here redeemed because of it. Now do something in us from, this, from, from the, the verses of Psalm 103 this morning that changes us. It causes us, as we said, to be more grateful, more praiseworthy, and then as well causes us to be channels and funnels of forgiveness to others because we have been forgiven much. We can and should forgive others much as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.